This week on Mobile First, a conversation with Scott Emmons, head of the Digital Innovation Lab for the Neiman Marcus Group. You know, smart things we did early on is, you know, we decided that we were going to provide, a, you know, an iPhone to every sales associate. And that was not an easy sell, by the way, you know, but everybody got on board and, and we built, you know, an amazing set of apps for our sales associates so that uh, she was uh, uh, dialed in to, you know, all the different things that uh, she needed to know to help her customer. Welcome to Mobile First. This is a weekly podcast that digs into the mobile strategy, user insights, and technology driving the latest in business innovation. This podcast is brought to you by Emerge Interactive. I'm your host, Jordan Bryant. Every week, I talk with today's biggest thought leaders leveraging mobile. We'll gain insights from their experience to help your organization truly become mobile first. In this episode, we'll explore the Neiman Marcus Group Digital Innovation Lab with our guest, Scott Emmons, head of the Digital Innovation Lab and creator of it. We're going to dig into Scott's experience leading up to the Neiman Marcus Group and his journey in creating the Digital Innovation Lab there. We'll take a closer look at some of the technology they're working on there, including how MemoMe Memory Mirror is being applied. You'll find bonus tools, expanded information, and key takeaways from this episode on our website, EmergeMobileFirst.com. For a quick and effective way to level up your mobile strategy, again, that's EmergeMobileFirst.com. To introduce our guest today, Scott Emmons is the head of Digital Innovation Lab for the Neiman Marcus Group. Scott built out the Neiman Marcus Group Innovation Lab, also known as iLab, and is responsible for leading the organization in evaluating, designing, testing, and piloting cutting-edge technologies and applications for luxury retail. Scott is working on BYOD, Bring Your Own Device initiatives, as well as Wi-Fi, local, and wide area network infrastructures, mobility, and digital signage initiatives. These innovation projects include the amazing MemoMe Memory Mirror, beautiful 4K touch table lookbooks, beacon-enabled holiday passes, intelligent mobile phone charging stations, and gorgeous digital directories for Bergdorf Goodman. Scott, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really uh, excited about the opportunity to talk about uh, what we've been doing at the Neiman Marcus uh, Innovation Lab uh, and at Neiman Marcus in general. Scott, you have some amazing things on your plate by the sound of it. How about you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do in your free time? Yeah, the free time part is, uh, has been fairly lacking uh, here lately, I have to say. <laughs> I travel quite a bit uh, for this job, so I have to tell you that you know lately, Free time, uh, you know, means, uh, you know, hanging out by the pool at the house, to be honest. That's gotten a lot more attractive than maybe it used to be. You know, I, I have a Harley Davidson. You know, I do like to, you know, get out and ride that from time to time. But, uh, you know, time to do that is, is you know, few and far between uh, lately, I have to, you know, to be honest about it. Lots and lots of time spent, you know, thinking about technology and innovation. You know, I think that's, you know, it consumes most of my days here. That's that's funny. I'm, I'm also passionate bike rider as well. I got a monster 695, a, a Ducati and, and uh, a lot of my buddies have Harley. So I, I totally relate there being out to have that adrenaline rush every once in a while is nice. It's nice. It's nice to get out, to get out in the country and, you know, get away from the city every now and then and just, uh, you know, enjoy the scenery for sure. You no, know, I'm, I'm really excited to, to do a, a deep dive and, 
and really from your perspective, understanding, integrating that brick and click and really digging into your wisdom to see what, what we can pull from your experience. You, uh, you ready to get started? I am. All right, let the class begin. To start off, what was that path that led you to head of Digital Innovation Lab for Neiman Marcus? It really, I'm not sure it was a path. I can tell you that when I came to Neiman Marcus uh, back in 2003, it was uh, you know, really a completely different role. I came here to help uh, with a business intelligence project. Yeah, that worked out pretty well for me. They invited me to stay. Uh, I was actually a contractor uh, when I first came to Neiman Marcus. I ended up uh, doing that for about three years and then uh, became an associate uh, in 2006. Not too long after that, uh, I got invited to found the enterprise architecture team. And I think that was the turning point, right? That, you know, that, that was really the beginning of this, you know, this iLab path. Uh, because what we did, you know, with the enterprise architecture group is we went out and looked at, you know, kind of some of the hard problems that, uh, you know, we were seeing, uh, you know, across, you know, our business. And one of the things that we, you know, recognized very early on that needed focus was that our stores needed upgrades to be ready for the digital age. I think part of that, you know, you know, came to light because of the smartphone revolution. You know, and we had, you know, really a tidal wave of, uh, of smartphones showing up in our stores, first from the customers, then the sales associates had them. And then, uh, you know, it was really time for us, you know, as an organization to look at, uh, you know, how we could leverage that technology, right, to serve our customers better. Uh, and step one was we had to lay a foundation for digital, we needed better, you know, wide area network connections to the store uh, that we did, we weren't really carrying enough data, you know, at that time. We needed much better Wi-Fi coverage. The Wi-Fi coverage we had in place was really there to, you know, support kind of inventory tools and, and was not really, you know, had not really been put in place there to, you know, service, you know, kind of the high data, you know, and video and audio and all the other things that were, you know, starting to come of age via mobility, right? So we needed much better Wi-Fi. We really needed an upgraded digital infrastructure across the stores, and, and that's what we did from the enterprise architecture group is, you know, we presented a plan to the business. We convinced them that it was uh, the right thing to do to invest uh, in that. The investment was made. I actually worked, uh, you know, for uh, you know, two or three years on some of those projects, getting them put into place. And uh, at the end of all that, uh, that's about the time our CIO, our current CIO joined us. And one of his very early initiatives uh, within a few weeks of his arriving was that he wanted to do an innovation lab. And I got tapped on the shoulder to go do that. Ah, what a cool opportunity. So I knew it was a cool opportunity at the time. It turns out that it's even cooler than I imagined. <laughs> but I knew it was a good thing when it happened. Uh, I'm really happy, you know, with, you know, how it's turned out so far. A lot of the retail brands I've talked to, right, they're, they're having a lot of problems with this big shift. And it's so cool to be part of an innovation lab where, part of this company, you're able, it, it's almost like you have a tangible beta testing outlet, right? Where you're, you're running this innovation lab of just all this really cool tech uh, that's very tangible to a specific industry. And you can just go out and actually try it in some of these piloting stores. It's such a cool thing. I think there are, there are a lot of third parties out there in the world that want to come in and help you with these sorts of things. You know, I think, it, I think it's really useful to have, you know, an internal organization, you know, that can help sort through all of that, right? You know, because, right. you know, mixed in with all the great ideas or a lot of maybe not so great ideas or, or, or ideas that aren't right, you know, for, you know, Neiman Marcus or, you know, who, whatever the organization is. So, you know, I think we, we fill a role, you know, for the business, right? You know, helping to run interference with really, you know, just a uh, incredible 
you know, rate of change, right? You know, by the time you go out and evaluate a technology, you know, it could be out of date before you're even finished, you know, trying to figure out if it's uh, something you want to use or not, right? You know, things are changing that quickly. Yeah, it's really that co-creative process, right? It's no one can know the business like you know the business because of just the perspective, really the position that you have. It's you can't know from the inside, and so totally, I think hit the nail on the head. You got to you got to have that in, that internal resource that can really facilitate and communicate to any sort of third party. I don't pretend to you know have all the answers, but you know I, I can certainly you know help wade through you know the obvious. This is not the answer. And also, you know, every now and then make that eureka discovery that I know the business needs to know about. I know you said that it wasn't really a path that led to Neiman Marcus, but what kind of inspired you to get into this space? At what age, you know, was it back in high school? Was it before that? Was it college? What, what kind of got you down this path to, to be inspired and, and really passionate about innovation? I've always been very curious. I've always really, you know, uh, you know, been sort of a nerd when it comes to technology, uh, you know, and really enjoyed, you know, trying the latest thing and, you know, being the first one, you know, early adopter for technology. Mm-hmm. I think that's a piece of it. And then I think that, you know, my, my career prior to Neiman Marcus, it had a lot of variety. And by that, I mean, I, I was a consultant, you know, a lot of the years uh, before I came to Neiman Marcus, and I got exposed to a lot of different very different kinds of businesses, you know, both uh, private and government, you know, sort of organizations that, uh, you know, really, you know, kind of, uh, you know, led me to have a, a unique perspective, I think, uh, on things, uh, you know, having, you know, such a wide exposure. Very cool. I love a good problem. And, I, you know, and by that, I mean, I love coming up with a solution. And so with that, you know, what, what are some of the big, I guess, problems that you're seeing from your position and, and really in this space? What are some of those, the, the biggest problems across this industry? You know, I think that, you know, all retailers are, uh, you know, out trying to understand what the next generation of customers are going to look like. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, you know, maybe preferences of our core customer today, you know, are, are you know, probably going to evolve uh, as the next generation of customer uh, steps into uh, uh, being the primary customer for us. You know, I think so. We spent a lot of time thinking about that and, and how do we build for the customer of the future? And that's really kind of when I, whenever I talk about Neiman Marcus and innovation, I, you know, I always try to stress that we're thinking about the customer of the future, not the store of the future. That's going to follow naturally. You know, if, if we get the customer of the future right, you know, our, the store of the future is going to follow properly. I think that uh, really this rapid uh, introduction of technology uh, is also you know, has come at a faster rate than some retailers were prepared to, you know, uh, ingest it. And so uh, we're all working to, you know, kind of morph our organizations so that we're more agile and, and uh, better able to uh, adapt to changes in technology. Uh, you know, and, and it takes a lot of work, right? You know, it's, uh, uh, there's a lot of different moving parts, uh, you know, in a, in a business like being a market. You're focusing on the customer and, and really that's where the evolution is going to take place and, and then the businesses will follow. And you brought up earlier the smartphone revolution and how you noticed that, okay, now the customers are walking in the store with all these smartphones and then now the sales associates have all these smartphones. So with these smartphones now coming into the picture, and I, I think really over the last decade, you know, that's kind of the bigger uh, evolution that's taking place from that customer experience. What are some of the other evolutions that you're seeing kind of stem from from that, from the smartphone kind of making its way into all of these strategies and how to engage the customer? 
Well, you know, it was it was pretty, you know, clear, you know, uh, when you know the first, you know, kind of uh, generations of iPhones hit, right, and things really took off. You know, you had customers showing up, you know, to the stores, right, that were, you know, outgunning the associates in terms of information. They, you know, they had access to instant information about everything. And we needed to make sure that our sales associates had that same information and more, right, uh, at our fingertips. So, right. you know, one of the really, you know, smart things we did early on is, you know, we decided that we were going to provide, a, you know, an iPhone to every sales associate. And that was not an easy sell, by the way. That was a really, <laughs> you know, a big culture change for us. You know, but everybody got on board and, and we built, you know, an amazing set of apps for our sales associates so that uh, she was uh, uh, dialed in to, you know, all the different things that uh, she needed to know to help her customer, mm-hmm. uh, whether it was, you know, uh, information about product, uh, information about the customer herself, information uh, about uh, the customer's uh, orders, had it shipped, you know, were alterations ready, all, you know, all those things. You know, once we... Uh, you know, provided the sales associate with that set of tools, right? You know, we saw, you know, the communication between, you know, the associate, uh, you know, and the customer start to transform into, you know, the modern form of, you know, any place, any time uh, I can serve the customer. Right. Yeah, those micro moments. And I think you brought up a really good point there. And it looks like, I can't remember if it was a week or two ago, but um, do you follow Think with Google? I don't. So they have a blog where they shoot out every week or, or a couple times a week, all this information. And they did a case study recently, and it's something like 87% of shoppers will look at information before visiting the store, 79 while visiting the store, and then 35% after visiting the store. And majority of this is through the phone. And so I think testament to what you're saying, it's how important it is to be able to provide that information as the retail brand. And as, you know, the sales associate being that point of contact, being able to provide and relay that information. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, we're in the business of being the experts, right, in, in fashion, right? You know, so uh, we want to make sure that the, the, the sales associates, you know, has, you know, all the information she needs to maintain that expertise. At what time did you actually make that transition and provide all the sales associates with phones? Do you know about what time? That was? Yeah. So, you know, the years seem to blend a bit, but I can tell you that it was, uh, I can tell you the generation of iPhones. You want to start measuring time in iPhones. We did it around the iPhone 4. Oh, wow. Okay. And why iPhones instead of like Android? Well, you know, when we looked at what our customers were carrying, you know, themselves, in our case, we, you know, we discovered that about 80% of our customers had, you know, iOS devices. And so, uh, you know, I can tell you that, uh, you know, from, you know, an infrastructure management, you know, uh, uh, position, that sort of thing. The iOS devices were not the easiest to implement. Yeah. You know, Apple has a, you know, reputation for, you know, being all about the customer and not really about enterprise management, at least not in their early days. They've gotten better at it. Right. You know, so it was not the easiest one to uh, implement. But when we looked at what the features were and we looked at what our customers were doing, we, we decided that the iOS devices were the right fit for Neiman Marcus. Gotcha. I love that you know that stat. Often companies don't you know understand that demographic to that level. So that's that's really awesome to hear. One part that mobile plays and uh, these smartphones plays is now kind of opening up to what an omni-channel strategy actually means, and and not so much being you know in-store physical and email marketing anymore, but but now so different platforms, even with Memo Me mirrors to. 
the smartphone to potentially virtual reality in the near future to the physical location and integrating all these channels. I guess from your perspective, how would you define uh, an omni-channel approach? When a customer thinks about Neiman Marcus, you know, we, you know, she thinks about Neiman Marcus. She doesn't, uh, she doesn't think about Neiman Marcus, you know, on the web or Neiman Marcus at the store or Neiman Marcus in the catalog. Mm-hmm. She thinks about Neiman Marcus, no matter which of those methods that we're using to, to allow her to shop, right? It, the experience ought to be connected, intertwined, and well-coordinated. And using those three channels as an example, right? Online, you know, reach, you know in-store and, and catalog. Uh, if you look at their origins, right? They were, you know, in their early days, all run as really quite separate businesses. And, and, and by design, I mean, that was, uh, you know, that was on purpose. And, uh, you know, actually, I think, you know, there was even some encouragement that they compete against, you know, one another uh, in the early days. Well, that's not what the customer of today is looking for. You know, she's looking for a Neiman Marcus experience, and she doesn't care which method she uses to connect with us, right? She wants that Neiman Marcus experience. And that's what, that's really what Omni is all about, is building an organization that can deliver that. I love that. I just want to reiterate, it's, it's when talking about Omnichannel, it's not thinking about the individual channels, it's thinking about the customer wants the Neiman Marcus experience. And like you alluded to, it's, it's where the customer is at. And when you see the smartphone revolution take place, it's, it was really just an indicator of that's now part of the Neiman Marcus experience. That's where customers are. So that's part of now that strategy. So that's, that was a really cool perspective. Just wanted to re- reiterate that. Your response to being, it's just, they want Neiman Marcus. So that's, it's providing that everywhere and, and creating that, that cohesive strategy. So from kind of that, that multi-channeled approach, are you seeing a specific channel result in the biggest return? Or I guess, where are you seeing, the, are you seeing smartphones being the biggest engagement or is it still more toward, you know, catalog, email or in-store or, or kind of where are you seeing the biggest levers still? You know, I don't know, uh, you know, how uh, qualified I am to answer that. Gotcha. Uh, you know, I can tell you that if you go out and look at the, you know, the, Financial statements that we release on a regular basis, right? The uh, majority of our revenue comes from the Neiman Marcus full-on stores. Uh, our uh, online business is robust uh, in terms of the percentage of revenue that it uh, 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 contributes uh, is uh, remarkable even. You know, somewhere in the high 20% range, I think, today, 30%, uh, I'm told. Uh, so uh, that's not the uh, industry norm. You know, we're higher, uh, you know, than a lot of our competitors uh, in that uh, area, you know, and, uh, you know, some of the other, uh, you know, legacy channels like catalog and things, you know, those are, you know, still contributors, but, you know, they're not the, you know, they're not the lion's share. Yeah. And so, Scott, are you seeing uh, one or two needs or pain points across the industry? Because I know Neiman Marcus is definitely in the forefront of innovation and uh, continue to, to look for that, that next hottest thing. Is there one or two things that you're seeing where just the industry as a whole is, is having trouble catching up to? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, besides the fact that, you know, we are, uh, you know, trying to understand, you know, what the customer of the future is going to, you know, is going to look like and, and what, uh, what is she going to want, right? You know, the way the customer of the future shops, you know, is also, you know, I think, a, you know, something we're you know, trying to understand. You know, does she, is everybody going to, you know, do 100% of their shopping online, you know, in the, you know, uh, in the future? Uh, you know, what role, you know, being a brick and mortar retailer as well as an online retailer, what, you know, how do we leverage our stores as a competitive advantage, you know, over digital only 
retailers, uh, as an example. You know, those are those are an asset that uh, we ought to be able to you know take advantage of uh, take advantage of in terms of uh, you know competing with others. I think that uh, you know one of the things we see with our customers is that uh, you know how precious her time is. You know, the days of, you know, having you know, two or three hours to, you know, wander the store and, you know, uh, shop leisurely, you know, that's available to less and less people, I think. So we're trying to understand that as well. And, and, and how do we offer, you know, a luxury experience to a customer that's on the go gotcha. as well? And, and how, you know, how are we going to, you know, service her? So I guess, um, and I'm, I'm just taking some notes here. Are you, are you saying that Really, you, you think maybe the, one of the major pain points then, um, especially you know, maybe specifically for Neiman Marcus, is trying to wrap your head around how to create that on-the-go luxury experience, knowing how much time. I think it's a tough, it's a tough problem, right? You know, uh, it, it, it goes against, you know, uh, a lot of years worth of, uh, you know, what we practice, right? You know, which is the white glove, 100% uh, service, you know, scenario you know, that we try to offer our customers. Uh, so, you know, if she comes in and she just needs the thing and then she needs to go quickly, how do we make that, you know, still a memorable experience for the customer, right? Right. And one that she wants to come back to again and again. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's fast food, but how do you provide that, you know, five-star restaurant experience in, in that short amount of time? The other piece of that is uh, not one size fits all for customers, right? You know, so... So I have some customers that are in a hurry and, you know, and, and need to, you know, need what they need fast. I still have other customers that want the full meal deal, right? They want that, that traditional experience. And, you know, I think that's part of the, you know, part of the problem we're trying to, the puzzle we're trying to solve, right, is, you know, how to recognize that, you know, quickly and deliver the right level, you know, of, of service, uh, you know, based on, you know, what she needs. Well, all comes back to that. Do you have any specific examples on maybe how that's been met in the past? I know you're really excited about, you know, the memo me that the mirror is there, is there like a specific technology that's enabled you to kind of meet that unmet need? Well, I mean, let's use memo me as an example, because, you know, one of the, you know, one of the things, you know, memo me allows is for a customer to shop with folks that can't be with her. Right. Uh, she can, uh, she can, she can take, you know, videos of her try-ons and then share it with her spouse or her girlfriend or her mom or whoever kind of co-shop even when the, you know, that significant other person can't be there with her. So, you know, I think that technologies like that, you know, are, are part of the solution. If you look at, uh, you know, what we've done, you know, with, uh, you know, our touch tables, uh, and our, uh, you know, some of the beacon experiments we've done, those are also been about, getting, you know, information to the customer quickly uh, and allowing her to, you know, uh, you know, have a wide view of what we have to offer, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even things that don't happen to be in that store and be able to get it to her no matter where she is. I mean, you guys are really heavily focused on it, or you specifically are very heavily focused on innovation. And so you're thinking about like how all these awesome and, and new disruptive technologies can be applied in, in these various ways. I would, uh, you know, interrupt you and say that, uh, you know, it's important yeah, I do think about innovation, you know, and, and I think about, you know, how we can use technology, you know, quite a lot uh, to, to help that. But it's just as important for me to collaborate, you know, with uh, my friends and associates across the business and to get out into the store and, you know, see what the customer's doing. You know, sitting here in a lab and, you know, throwing out, you know, shiny, you know, new technology is not really the, the solution. 
you know, the solution is coming up with technology that solves a real problem for the customer. Right. That's the number one question, you know, we always ask as we're looking at, you know, a new, uh, you know, a new technology and it eliminates an awful lot of it, you know, right at the get go is, will this solve a problem for my customer? I love that. Will this solve a problem for my customer? And I've noticed several times you refer to your customer as she. Are you thinking of like a specific avatar when you talk about the customer? No, not necessarily. I think that's just sort of the, you know, the language that we've always used here. Okay. Uh, when talking about a customer, I mean, it may, it's a habit I've fallen into. Maybe it's a bad habit. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, usually I refer to the customer uh, as she. But, uh, you know, we have he's too. I, I just thought it was funny because it's, you know, typical marketing practice, right, is to focus on that, that one avatar, even to the point where it's, it's like an individual specific person. And so I was just curious. That's why I uh, thought I'd ask. I thought it was pretty funny. One of the things that I was leading into, you know, I was curious from your perspective, because you, you dabble in, in so many different technologies, and it sounds like, you know, the iPhone 4 was the first, you know, major adoption for, you know, the sales associates. For these other retail brands that, you know, are not even close to Neiman Marcus and are still uh, in the Stone Ages, is there a specific, you know, initial technology you're seeing them adopt to or, or that from your experience you would advise they take a look at first? Or is it, you know, jumping right into like a, a memo me sort of initiative? If it's my direct competition, my advice is they should just keep doing whatever, you know, exactly what they're doing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> now, the, uh, uh, you know, I can see that, you know, everybody has gone out and fixed their Wi-Fi infrastructure. You are starting to see, uh, you know, a lot more adoption of, you know, kind of smart digital signage and, and you know, uh, digital directories and, you know, and these sorts of things, you know, starting to appear in stores. You know, I, I think those are, you know, kind of the starting places, you know, getting some tablets out to the stores, getting some mobility coverage into the store and, uh, uh, you know, making some initial forays into uh, interactive digital uh, communication and signage in the stores is, is where a lot of folks seem to be, you know, focusing their early efforts on. I see. So first making the move to just making the stores themselves mobile friendly. And you think about it, data friendly, you know, to be, yeah, it's, right, uh, right. you know, it's a completely different world when you go from, you know, all the customer facing technology in the store were point of sale registers. And that was pretty much it. Mm -hmm. uh, you could get by with a lot less uh, data coverage, right? You know, when that was your world. So, you know, I think a lot, a lot of us have come to grips with, uh, you know what, we're going to have to spend a little more money on, you know, the, the data infrastructure that delivers data to and from that store. And so I guess, what do you think is, is the next hot thing? You think the MemoMe technology, you know, for, for these physical locations is, is the next hot thing or is maybe, you know, the Oculus and, and these other VR headsets, uh, augmented reality sort of experience. What do you think is, is going to be the most realistic, tangible next hot thing? Look, you know, you, so you've sort of named off, you know, some of the, you know, kind of the, the, the hot spots, right? Which one of those will actually be the next big thing? We'll know uh, when it appears. I can tell you there is a lot of interest in augmented and virtual reality, you know, and, and if you were going to ask me to bet, uh, you know, I would make, you know, I would place some chips on that. Mm -hmm. And the reason I would is because, you know, a lot of, the, you know, our, uh, you know, current attempts, you know, and current experiments with technology in store has been about bringing, you know, that digital kind of online, you know, experience into the, into the physical environment. Right. I think that, you know, the augmented reality and the, and the uh, virtual reality stuff, uh, you know, allows you to flip that. 
uh, and lets you start thinking about bringing some of the things that you used to only be able to do in your physical store uh, into the digital experience, uh, you know, which is really interesting. You know, and I think it's certainly going to have a place. So do you see the mobile experience tying into that and tying into the memo me mirror? Or do you see those being kind of distinct experiences that don't quite integrate to that level? I think they definitely integrate. I mean, I think, you know, one of the first things we did once we got the memory mirror deployment in place is we tied it into our mobile app so that all those videos that you were taking on the mirror were available on your phone, uh, you know, in, inside of the Nima Marcus app. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think that uh, they go hand in hand. And I, I think that, uh, you know, when you're doing technology in the store, if there's a way for you to connect the you know, the, the Neiman Marcus-owned technology with the technology that the customer brought herself, her trusted smartphone, if there's a way to integrate those two uh, in a seamless, you know, way, that there's a lot of opportunity to make some magic for the customer. And why do you think a lot of these brands are having such a hard time in making this transition? Uh, you'll have to ask them. <laughs> I, I can tell you that, you know, it's a lot of work, you know, and it's a lot of effort. And, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of people to to get, uh, uh, you know, into the mode where you're willing to go out and, you know, try lots of different things. You know, you get a few, you know, really great successes and a whole lot of uh, learnings, uh, you know, and by that, I mean, things that didn't work quite the way you, you know, thought they were, but uh, you, you, you learn from that experience and you go build the next thing. Yeah, I love that, that uh, build, measure, learn sort of method. Do you work kind of with a lot of lean, agile process when going through these experiments or are they more full-blown to the point of customers trying it sort of experiments? You know, the way that the idea of funnel works, right, you know, is, uh, you know, ideas are vetted initially in the lab. Uh, and once they sort of pass, you know, sort of, a, you know, an initial, okay, this is something we ought to look into harder. And I, I get some help from uh, friends across the organization with that. We, uh, you know, we'll pick, you know, kind of the top 10. Uh, we'll build out, you know, kind of a straw man proof of concept here in the lab. And then, you know, we kind of get, you know, folks together from across the business and say, look, these are the things we're looking at, uh, you know, that we think you'd be interested in. Uh, and off of that list, we'll probably pick two or three that we're willing to go out and pilot in store. That's probably going to be two or three stores. And that's going to, you know, the pilot's going to last anywhere from 30 days to 120 days. It just varies depending on the technology. Gotcha. Once the pilot is completed, you know, we will uh, reevaluate. You know, was this a success? Was this, uh, did this work the way we wanted? Do we think we can afford it? Will it scale? Get, uh, uh, can we support it when it's out in the world? Do customers even want it? You know, all those things, you know, have to be answered during the proof of concept. And, and if all those answers are yes, uh, you know, we'll go to the business and, and ask for funding for, you know, a full rollout. And uh, sometimes we get it and sometimes we don't. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all, uh, you know, a matter of what the business priorities are. Some things go off onto the shelf or, you know, we'll try, try again, you know, another time. And, and some things, uh, you know, go out into the world and, you know, become part of the everyday experience at a Neiman Marcus store. It's awesome. And, and so with all these experiments, there's obviously metrics associated with them. And is, is there, I guess, very deep analytics to understand how users are interacting in an associated ROI? Are all experiments like that or are some of the experiments more of, you know, this kind of adds to just the brand feel and not, not so tangible to uh, the metric. I think as the lab is, uh, you know, in the early days of the lab, we could get away with pro- some projects at least that we would try just because they were really cool. Gotcha. And, and it was interesting, you know, it was something we'd never tried before and everybody was really interested to see how the customer would react to it. 
you know, as, as the lab has matured and the business has, you know, I think, you know, uh, you know, sort of wrapped their uh, uh, arms around the, uh, you know, technology is going to be an important part of the in-store experience. It's become more important that we can prove, you know, some sort of ROI uh, on the investment. It's a lot tougher sell for me to go in and just say, we can do this because it's cool as opposed to we can do this and we look, we can measure this, this, and this thing. And we think it's going to, you know, help our customers, lift our sales, allow us to be more efficient, whatever, you know, whatever the play is, right. You know, for these reasons. And if you've got to be able to measure that, right. They're not going to just take your word for it. Right. And so to, to kind of wrap up this core segment here, I listed a bunch of different things that innovations and initiatives that you're working on. What do you think is, is your favorite that, that you are looking really forward to making a breakthrough on here in the short term? As I said, we've got brand new stuff coming with Memo Me, you know, that I think, uh, you know, is going to get a lot of attention. I had alluded to, uh, you know, I am very interested in, you know, uh, virtual and augmented reality. And, you know, I think that, you know, we probably are going to, you know, continue to experiment in that area and that uh, there's a lot of really great new technology coming along that, uh, you know, uh, holds a lot of promise. Uh, for our customers and delivering, you know, a better experience for them. Awesome. Yeah. I'm really excited to keep up with you there and, and share as, as you guys release things, because it sounds like you have some really cool things in the works that, that should be really disruptive. Uh, Scott, let's jump to the rapid fire questions. We can get through these really quickly. Whatever comes to mind, just feel free to, to shoot it out. So would you put being in the innovation lab and, and working with this build, measure, learn uh, sort of process, would you put more emphasis on the idea or the execution and then how would you weigh each and why? Okay, so uh, I would not put more emphasis on either. But the idea has to be good to be worth doing, and the execution has to be flawless to you know, work in an even market store. You know, I'm going to uh, you know, have to say that's a 50-50 weight for that to you know, end up being a, a, you know, a success in my world. I like it. I like the workaround. <laughs> yeah. well, what has been your biggest learning lesson on your journey in, in retail and innovation so far? Look, you know, I, I, I spent, you know, my first, you know, seven years or so, you know, behind the scenes, you know, in the information services department, didn't really get to, uh, you know, see a lot about what was going on with the customer. My biggest learning is, you know, what the customer wants is what's the most important thing. Uh, and the only way you're going to learn that is to get out in the stores and, you know, interact with the customers and the sales associates out on the selling floor. So do you actually go out to, to these stores and straight up ask them, you know, Absolutely. That's been the most important part of all of this is to be out there, you know, in the stores. I, otherwise, I'm sending them solutions that don't have a problem. Yeah, it makes complete sense. Do you, do you have like a, a couple of questions that you ask them or is it kind of spur of the moment when you see them interacting in a specific way? I'm pretty spur of the moment. You know, it's, I cover a lot of different grounds, right, you know, in the iLab. So uh, the questions are going to be specific to, you know, what it is we're trying to, you know, to do today. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, your favorite business, marketing, digital innovation book, a book that uh, has been pivotal to really your, your education that you think would be a great resource. Let, let me start off with the, uh, you know, I, I had to start, uh, you know, I had to found this innovation lab without any books or instruction set. So, <laughs> uh, you know, so I'm not necessarily a buy the book guy, but I brought my, I brought my favorite book in here with me, which is called Innovation Engine. Okay. I may slaughter the uh, author's uh, pronunciation of the author's name, but it's Jatun Dasi. Sounds right. What I enjoyed about that, you know, was uh, it lays out, 
you know, kind of a, you know, an entire roadmap for building a, you know, an innovation organization from the C-suite on down. Wow. You know, I feel like, you know, that's sort of how we started here. And so, you know, there were a lot of, uh, you know, uh, lessons, you know, from that book I could apply to my day-to-day, you know, kind of innovation lab work here. So, you know, I, th- I think it's a really good book. I'd recommend it. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely link to that in the show notes uh, for everyone to check out. And then how about, Scott, your favorite digital resource? Well, I have to tell you that I am a Flipboard junkie, you know, which is a, a mobile app uh, that I use to sort of uh, whenever I'm sitting idle, you know, I'm waiting, you know, you know, for a meeting or, you know, I'm, you know, riding in the car with somebody or whatever. I'm on Flipboard and, you know, trying to find, you know, uh, uh, you know, something new that I've, that I've never seen before. That's my go-to app to go kind of, you know, browse the, you know, the world, you know, for new information. Yeah, I, I do enjoy that app and I'll definitely link to that for everyone to check out. And then lastly, what is your favorite mobile app? And you may have just said it, but what is your, your favorite mobile app and why? Flipboard's right up there. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what my, la- my latest, newest favorite is. Okay. Uh, I'm using an app called Quark that basically kind of gives me news updates in a chat format. And I love it because it gives me little snippets of what I need to know about what's going on in the world. And I can drill in deep on things I want to know more about. And I can skip over the things that aren't, aren't interesting to me. Ah. I think it's a great way to, you know, kind of, you know, quickly browse news. Very cool. I'm definitely check that out. And then I have the last couple of questions here, and, and you might not be able to get into as deep as you'd like, um, but what is the coolest thing you're working on right now that you want everyone to follow Neiman Marcus and, and check out? Yeah, so the very coolest thing I'm working on right now is sitting right in front of me, and I can't tell you about it yet. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm looking at it, and it's really cool, uh, and uh, you'll know more about it in about six weeks or so. Six weeks. Well, we'll take your word for it now, and then we'll just keep in touch and, and get the insider when it's public. Well, sweet. Well, thanks, Scott. You know, if we wanted to get in touch, if if anyone had questions or or had some ideas, you know, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah. So uh, let me give you my email, which is scott underscore emmons at neimanmarcus.com. Okay. And I'm really easy to find on LinkedIn too. Uh, If you search for Scott Emmons, you you should, you know, run into me pretty, you know, pretty quickly. Great. Yeah. We'll, we'll link to all that in the show notes. So, all right, check out Neiman Marcus. And follow Scott as he unveils some of these amazing initiatives taking place. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for the lesson today. And it was an absolute pleasure to have you on. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Join us next week for a conversation with Mina Aiken head of customer experience at Taylor Stitch. We're going to dig into Mina's experience leading up to head of customer experience at Taylor Stitch and her unique approach to the customer experience for Taylor Stitch. We're going to take a closer look at the process Taylor Stitch uses to really connect with the customer to shape their brand experience. And I'm always happy to be a resource in any way that I can. So visit EmergeMobileFirst.com to reach out to me directly or for additional insights, resources, and bonus tools that can help catapult your organization to the next level. Until next time, think mobile first.